Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Bean. We are here today to talk about the 2021 Academy Awards. And to join us in that conversation, our good friend and a huge fan of both movies and award shows, Corey Schneider. What's going on, Corey? Hello, guys. Uh, not much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for joining us. Long-time listener. First time, first time guest. <laughs> I wish that were true. But nonetheless, here we are to talk about the Oscars. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about kind of what this episode is going to look like after our little introduction. But today we are going to be drinking Old Man by Treehouse. And Beam, what's the connection here? Uh, the loose connection that I tried to provide to this was the fact that in both a movie that is nominated for Best Picture and also features a individual that was nominated for Lead Actor, um, he is old. <laughs> he is a very <laughs> old is, man in that movie. And... He's he's dealing with legitimate old man things. So, um, yeah, in a way, it's like we are drinking uh, the spirit and the essence of Anthony Hopkins. I I dig that. Oh. I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me. So uncomfortable. I know. It made me uncomfortable, and then Corey's like, I'm into that. And I was like, wow. All Listen, right. if I can drink in uh, Hannibal Lecter vibes, that's that's what I need. I, I guess it was it was the descriptor that I use, so that's really on me. All right, let's get started. All right. So basically what we're going to be doing here in this episode is, you know, we'll talk a little bit about at the top about kind of big picture thoughts about the Oscars. And then we're going to go through each of the major categories, the major categories being the four acting categories, uh, actor in a sporting role, actress in a sporting role, actor in a leading role, actress in a leading role. And then we will be doing best director and best picture. We will be talking about who we want to win and who we think is going to win in each of those categories. And just you know, kind of going through each movie, giving our thoughts and things like that. But, you know, where I want to start is, Corey, you, you've always been a big fan of both movies and the Oscars. Talk about your relationship a little bit to the award show. What does it mean to you? Why do, why do you care about it? You know, I feel like for people, uh, for I don't know, I think the common uh, comparison oftentimes is like, you know, the awards is like the Oscars, for instance, is like my Super Bowl, right? Like I don't look forward to sports Of the trends 
in movies and some thoughts, I mean, more and more, I think it is, I think in the past, maybe it wasn't always as reflective and, and where Hollywood's going or where Hollywood needs to go. I think, um, more importantly. No, for sure. And you know, I, I really, really cared about it when I was a teenager and when I was in college and then around 2011, 2012, I stopped caring because movies like the artist and Argo, which are just not very good to be honest with you. Oh God. No. And and they make these mistakes <laughs> all the time, but like, you know, I got to then and I was just like, why should I care about this? And then in 2016, when Moonlight won, then I was like, oh, they're starting to recognize really good movies. Maybe I should start paying attention. And then Shape of Water and Green Book won. And then I was fucking upset again. Mm. So I go, I go through a lot of kind of ups and downs with my relationship with the Oscars. But ultimately, like, if you care about movies, you got to care about the Oscars. Bean, what about you? I mean, for me, I think I, I, I did care to a certain degree, kind of where you said you sort of started with it. I think I, I, I sort of did too. And then I married my wife. Well, I started dating my wife. Uh, uh, and she didn't really watch movies. So it, I almost kind of had like a parting of the ways with movies for a long period of time. And what this podcast has done in doing this has forced me to sort of get back into it. And as a consequence, so as my, my wife and I, you know, I think we've also, so anyways, basically what I'm trying to say is I hadn't been following kind of what was hot in terms of like recent and current movies. There was stuff that people that I knew that I liked or, you know, actors that I liked or directors that I, or subject matter that I was curious about that maybe I'd like watch. But other than that, I did not keep up with new movies. So doing it this time around, it's, it was kind of fascinating because I'm very curious and I'm sort of want to get your opinions on this. Do you think the Oscars or have, do you think the Oscars have been fairly predictable in the past? And do you think it's going to be so this year? Do you think it's going to pan out the way everyone thinks it will? Sure. Yeah. I just wanted to pick up on one point you said though, before Corey, which was um, about the awards themselves and their kind of validity. That's certainly where I am for sure with the Grammys. Like I think those are an utter joke that reflect absolutely nothing, but the opinions of their absolute bullshit now. But I think what I like about the Oscars, even though they get it wrong so often is that, and I'm going to say, I guess something positive about social media is that it is then a chance for us to hear about all these other movies and these other movies get injected in conversation in terms of what's been snubbed. And I think that I really appreciate because I think it's somehow in their weird way, even though they can be very exclusive, the kind of conversation around the Oscars can be very inclusive, which I think is, you know, which I appreciate. In terms of trends and predictability, I would say, you know, I think every year there's at least one or two races that are fairly predictable. I think this year, you know, seems like the the leading actor has just been set in stone for, I guess, almost a year now. I think, you know, there are other ones this year that are totally, they're totally up in the air. I think, you know, both, both actress categories are, you know, somewhat predictable, but maybe not actually. Um, Even the Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, SAG Awards, they've kind of been all over the place. Um, So it's, that's a little bit harder to say, which I think makes it more interesting. You know, I think we certainly all have the idea of what a quote-unquote Oscar movie is. And, you know, you can see it from the trailer a mile away, right? Thinking last year of like um, like 1917, right? It's like, well, this is very obvious how the movie's going to be positioned and how people are supposed to receive it and so forth. But then again, like when you have something like Parasite Breakthrough and it's just, you know, you, you want to see something when it wins like that, that wins big like that. You want to see it kind of be paradigm shifting. And then this year, I think, you know, coronavirus made it so that 
it is a much more wide open year. I don't think this is at all what the list would look like if um, if we movies hadn't been pushed back and so forth. I almost think the pandemic, and I almost think sort of the you know the Black Lives Matter protests and just sort of the the social movement of the summer. I think it's just. And and it's something that had been going on for a while, and you were seeing in these movies a lot too that were in, in that I think were in most contention for the Oscars. But I don't know. I think that in terms of that kind of gets to the point about it, whether it's reflective of the times. I think it does feel a little more poignant this time around. Yeah, I think so for sure. And you know what what struck me this year is there was nothing. There's nothing like big tent about any of the movies that got nominated. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at last year. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a big tent movie because it's Quentin Tarantino. That's that's an event. The Irishman, mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese, same thing. And this year, it's a lot smaller scale films that are getting nominated. And you know, personally, I love that. I love a quiet, sensitive mm-hmm. movie that has beautiful images and isn't about you know fast talking entertainment all the time. I, I really do enjoy that. But what I also think is that. And I think it's a good thing that all these movies are getting recognized and nominated, but I don't necessarily think that this is going to be a trend moving forward. You know, once big movies are back, I don't see films like Minari and Nomadland getting nominated. And those are two films that I love very much. I really, really enjoyed them, but I don't necessarily see them getting recognized in the future. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, I'm looking at the best best picture list right now. I think there's some that are just kind of would be probably pretty perennial. I think The Father is very much an Oscar movie. One I really like, but it's very much an Oscar movie. Mank, obviously, even though it hasn't seemed to have really broken through at all, um, it just has that total look and feel and the conversation about it. And I, I guess something like The, the Trials of Chicago 7, just because of the pedigree of it. Um, I mean, some might argue it's really not at all an Oscar movie, but um, I think it has that feel. But yeah, do I think in another year, like Sound of Metal, would be nominated for best best picture? No, probably not at all. Yeah, and you know, so I think while this year has been really good, and I like what happened with the Oscars, I like that so many female direct. I mean, I like the two female directors were recognized. I like that so many people of color were recognized. Like those are all very good things for movies and really for the world, you know. But I don't know, and I'm I'm curious to see. If this is a trend where in the future this will continue with this kind of representation and so on, or will it revert back to, you know, just white white male director after white male director just getting recognized over and over again? And I just I don't know the answer to that, and I'm curious to see. Well, I'm curious, sort of what and 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 maybe basically what is going to be the result, or what is it that's going to be the tell. To know if we are, is it just going to be the next award season? Is it going to be, you know, I guess I'm curious to see how many people are going to be watching the Oscars. How many people have been keeping up with movies because they're so, they're a lot more easily available than I would say like having to go to a theater, which I think can be a barrier for a lot of people. So I think having it on the streaming platforms like that, you know, certainly a lot easier for me to be able to get a hold of them, but. I, uh, a good friend is, works in the film industry. And so I watched, um, a lot of vir- virtual Sundance with her. And I would say the movies, like a lot of times you come out of Sundance and you see like all of these movies that you can already see, like will shape the Oscar race. And there's a much smaller Sundance this year. 
And there's a couple, I mean, this movie, Coda, that Apple picked up for like $25 million, I sure will be in the conversation. I didn't think it was particularly great, but like it will be in the conversation. A movie like Passing, which Rebecca Hall directed and um, stars Tessa Thompson, I think maybe in the conversation we'll see Netflix pick it up and I don't know, Netflix movies are, you know, hit and miss. So it's hard to say. There wasn't any, to me, any huge, like, this is the indie movie of 2021 out of there. So it's a, it's a, it's a good question. I think one thing I was thinking about when I was going over actually just the next picture list right now is just also thematically how interesting the movies are this year, as opposed to there is no war epic, right? And when I'm thinking about like even what Promising Young Woman or Sound of Metal um, or Minari are about, you know, I think those are just different stories and, and kind of ideas that we haven't thought about. So I would be curious to see if those going forward movies that are at least exploring kind of non-traditional Oscar movie ideas will will have a place. Well, I almost think like what's weird about this is with this crop of movies is they almost appeal to the like the senses like more like you could they had they I thought brought about a much more like visceral feeling than oh that was just like a really well written really well directed really well acted film um so yeah i think like in terms like you said in terms like thematic it's just like they were all very deeply personal whether they were you know big broad ideas or something that's directly personal like you know, I just told Corey, like, there's a couple movies on here that hit at me very personally because of stuff that has happened to me over the last year. Um, so mm-hmm. they were just very timely in that sense. So I, I, that's what I find interesting about all of these being best picture. And, and I'm sort of delighted about it because it's like I didn't always feel that way about obviously in the past. So, yeah. And I think it, it does play into because of what each of these movies were about. No, I completely agree. And, you know, and what you what you just touched on is that, you know, a lot of these movies feel very cinematic because they are they are also beautiful and they focus on the images and the emotions more so than they do like pure entertainment. And, you know, I, I, I dig that. And I think next year, what I'm curious to see is if some of these big movies that kept getting delayed are going to get recognized. So I think uh, about Denis Villeneuve's Dune and whether that will be, you know, as good as some people think it's going to be and whether that will ultimately be part of the race as well as some of these smaller films from Sundance that you were mentioning, Corey. I mean, on that note, I I guess, unfortunately, we have Blade Runner 2049 as a precursor. So it's a a tough call on on Dune. I think the game's going to get a little shook up once the new Mortal Kombat comes out. <laughs> the new Mortal Kombat, I'm actually so pumped for. Just like I was really pumped for Godzilla versus Kong. Like those movies have their place, and I love them. I fucking need them. I love them to get them directly into my veins. Like I love them. But none of those are best pictures. So let's get back to the Oscars for a moment. Can I just actually though bring it up? What if one of those movies somehow? Made it in there. Like, what if, what if Mortal Kombat, we just don't see it coming, and they just pull off, like, a thing where you're, like, so sucked in where it's just not even about Mortal Kombat anymore? That that would be one of the most surprising and... I'm just asking someone <laughs> to do things. that for me. I mean, it would just be a stunt, right, if they did that? Please. <laughs> so, what we're going to do now is we are going to go through 
each of the categories and talk about, you know, both our desires for how those categories should go and, you know, how we ultimately think they will go and whether we are going to be disappointed in those things. And basically, we're going to just go in the order. I looked at the order of how they were presented in the past, and I just went with that order. I mean, so basically, yeah, we're we're just going to do that if that's okay. <laughs> All right, so let's start off with Best Supporting Actor. And the nominees in that category are Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of the Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. You know, Corey, when you think about those nominees, what's your immediate reaction to them? I don't want to say that for the most part, I actually think this category got it mostly right. I, I didn't love Lakeith Stanfield in Judas and the Black Messiah, even though I usually think he's fantastic. I just think that the part was underwritten and you could see for me on screen him struggling to understand the character's motivations or how we go from you know, what we know ultimately happens to his character in real life um, and get there from the beginning. I just felt like that wasn't really there for him. But I would say otherwise, I was happy to see Paul Racy get into the race. I, I thought he I thought he was really affecting in that movie. I, I wasn't a huge fan of, of, of One Night Miami. I liked it, but it felt very like kind of play like to me but it's nice to see leslie odin jr not uh as jr in there but um i mean overall i think it got it right i was kind of looking back at some of the other award nominations throughout this year so far and kind of seeing who else got called out i don't know like to me i think bill murray made a lot of lists because of on the rock to me that was just kind of a classic bill murray not doing anything new role so you know i wouldn't have included that and uh I, maybe for me and then we're going to talk about this later when we get to actor I probably would have put uh, Chadwick Boseman here supporting for Defy Flood rather than um, his performance in My Rainey's Black Bottom. I was surprised, I mean, just from the outset, that, that Defy Floods didn't get anything oh, in any of this, it, to be perfectly honest. but It's written all over my notes, like how many times it was snubbed, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is definitely one where Chadwick... Chadwick should have, should have gotten it for that. I still thought he was, uh, I mean, obviously, like, we will talk about an actor. But, no, I I, I agree with Corey. Um, I, I, I can't think of how I would change this, uh, really. I don't know who I would insert into this as much. I, I agree. I think the only one for me is, to me, Lakeith Stanfield is the lead actor of Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. Like, his name mm-hmm. comes first, his Judas. This is, like, classic category tinkering. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this was a thing. So I, I, oh, I listened to it on different podcasts, and they mentioned how positioning both of them from Judas into Black Messiah to basically pave the way for Chadwick to get it. But I, I, that's interesting to me. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think he is a supporting actor in this movie, and I, you know, I disagree to an extent with you, Corey. I think part of the thing is the Bill O'Neill character doesn't know his motivation either. So like when he's playing that confusion, like I think that is a purposeful choice. So I actually do like what he's doing, even though the character is so frustrating and disreputable, but like that's who the character was in real life. So I, I, I can see some of that pain in the performance and I really enjoy it, but I don't think he's a supporting actor in this movie. I don't think he would crack the best actor category because I think there's so mm-hmm. many great performances there. You know, the only question I had is, do you think that Delroy Lindo was 
a supporting actor just because it was such a big ensemble cast. But at the same time, like the movie's really about him. So does he belong in best actor? I think he does. I think he, you know, I think he carried that movie. I think he's a hundred percent the thing you think about the performance you think about when you leave that movie. I mean, it's impossible not to after that kind of final um, monologue scene for him. Yeah. To me, that movie is kind of him. And I, I tend everything to else kind of supports him. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And, you know, I just wanted to bring that up. But I think he got snubbed for best actor. I don't I can't think of anyone else who I would really want to put in instead. Like, I actually personally liked the Kingsley Benadire performance in One Night in Miami better. He played Malcolm X. Like, mm-hmm. I would swap him in for Leslie Odom Jr., even though I do wow. love Leslie Odom Jr.'s performance. And I think his performance of a change is going to come at the end was like, holy hell, just rip out my fucking heart. And, you know, I, so, so, you know, Corey, going back to what you said, I, I think they got it right. I think these are five really good performances. You know, the only one that I have slight issue with is Lakeith Stanfield yeah. because I think he's the best actor instead of supporting, but really that's it. And I can't think of anyone who like, I feel very strongly about being left out. I mean, the other the other issue with the Lakeith nomination is just the, <clears throat> I don't know if it's slight, but, you know, the possibility that those Daniel Kluwa and he split the vote, right? And so it's also just not like necessarily, besides being category tinkering, it's not necessarily, I think, the wisest move, although that's not really, ultimately, it's not really up to the studio the way the, the vote shake out. It's kind of like the voters kind of are in the nomination process, they get sorted there. It's how many votes they get in leading versus supporting. So it's, Really, it wasn't necessarily a studio there. But then again, I, I, sometimes they are. Like when I think about kind of classic category fraud, Viola Davis for Fences winning for supporting was insane. Like she was clearly the lead actress. And I, I'm not, she deserved the award, but she's clearly the lead actress. But it was very much like we're just going to get this woman the Oscar no matter how we do it. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. And so, you know, what I want to do here and Beam, I'm going to start with you. Mm. Who do you want to win? Of these five performances, which one was your favorite? Who do I want to win? Because I really did like Leslie Odom Jr., but I don't think I would want him to win. I almost think Paul Rakey's, uh is that how you pronounce his last name? It's in dispute. It's, it's in dispute. Racy or Racky? I, I I I tend to go with Racy. I don't know. I loved I loved his performance in the film. I thought he was he provided a really nice anchor to the film of just sort of the madness of everything that was going on. Just very calm, very deliberate. It was just I, I thought it was just a really really well done job, and I think it deserves uh, some credit. But yeah, I don't see him winning. No, me neither. And, you know, for me, I think that I would be very comfortable and feel great about two people winning. I would love if Paul Racy won. I think he his performance was wonderful. I think that as a deaf person, he is mm. deaf, correct? Like, yes. Yeah. You know, he's been in other films that he, I think are. Yeah, he, he, he's able to bring a knowledge and sensitivity to that role that you know, guiding Riz Ahmed's character through this world. And it's just so, it's such a steady performance and I really love it, but who I ultimately want to win. And I think who's doing the most is Daniel Kalia as Fred Hampton and Judas and the Black Messiah. I think that performance is absolutely incredible. It brings all the emotions out. It's, it's funny. It's, you know, rousing. It's yeah. The scene with the speech, like, there's so much going on in that scene, and I want to talk about that a little bit later. But like, yeah. 
that speech is just absolutely unbelievable. If either of those two won, I would feel great about it. I think those, I think those two performances really stand above the rest of them. Corey, what about you? For me, it's straight up Kaluuya. I think he's fantastic. I think he's just so good in everything. I would have given him supporting actor for Widows. I think he's great in that. I just we haven't. I would love to see him do anything that looked like comedy or was a little bit lighter, just so. You know, I'm curious about that part of his range. But, you know, I guess not. Even, um, oh my God, the movie, the horror movie. Oh, Get Out. Mm. Thank you. I was going to say Don't Speak. I don't know why. <laughs> um, yeah, Get Out. Like, even there, I guess it's a little bit lighter and you can see he can play those moments. I think he's always great. I think he's really, really indelible in Juice and the Black Messiah. And I think, yeah, I just, like, it really stands out to me. I do think Paul Racy was really good. I, I still, it, kind of in a, almost Delroy Lindell kind of way. I feel like that movie is in many ways still like Riz Ahmed's like, just like really towering performance. And it kind of in every scene still like my eye kind of went right to, to Riz Ahmed. So yeah, I would say Daniel Saluya. I, I, and I would be happy to see that happen. I mean, I, I, I will, I will admit to possible recency bias because what I did last see was Sound of Metal and I saw uh, Judas and the Black Messiah when it came out because I will also agree with you. Um, that there are the two people that I want to win, which is which is Paul Racy and Daniel Kaluuya. But yeah. I, I I will because I agree with everything you guys said. His performance is amazing. It's it's what really draws you into the film. But yeah, there was just something about Paul Racy that I really I really dug that character, and I really and I think I really just dug that movie overall because it was just sort of a different movie that I hadn't I would have never thought of before. Totally agreed. I think Sound of Metal is fantastic. I think it's probably the most underrated of the ones that were nominated possibly i don't know man it had a lot of talk i feel it, it's like. got it's got a cult fo- like the people who love it love it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but i feel like it's not as widely seen um but that's in a different category we'll, totally. we'll discuss that more later totally totally well, i also think to me that's also for whatever reason amazon prime movies seem to that just their movies are don't seem to be just kind of catch on the way that you know a netflix or something else will so last thing you know we all would be very comfortable, feel great about either Daniel Kaluuya or Paul Racy. Do we think one of those two are going to win, or is it going to go elsewhere? It's Daniel Kaluuya. <laughs> Kaluuya. I mean, I, I, I do want to say, how could I? How could we forget to mention the amazing performance of Jared Leto in The Little Thing, which somehow got nominated several times. Um, fuck, fuck that movie! Did I it wanted, really? I wanted wow. it to be so yeah. good. He got, he got nominated? nominated for a Golden. Golden Globe. He got nominated for. I think. Can you get nominated for acting in a different movie? Like being being in one. It's like insane. It's, you know, it's the classic transformation. They love a transformation role. But yeah, this to me is it's clear has it in the bag. Um, unless that kind of vote splitting happens, which I just don't think it's going to. The the narrative is there. I happen to agree. I think this is going Kaluuya. So all right, that yeah. that's our official prediction and. Oh, just as an aside, we are going to be back with Corey after the Oscars, and we are going to check on all of our predictions. And oh, good. there's going to be some kind of prize. I don't know what the prize is. Did you just come up with this? We didn't discuss this. Well, no, just like whoever gets the most right, there'll be a prize. I don't know what the prize is. It might just be like a high five. Good for you. Um, I think, yeah. But that, yeah. Sounds like, that sounds like our group of friends. We, we, we play literally just to shit talk each other in fantasy football. There's no, there's no prize. There's, there, like was money. there was money involved 
evolved this year, but past years it was just so we could talk shit about each other. Yeah, it's just like I won, I'm better than you, and that's how we do things. <laughs> that's but our, that's our currency. Perhaps we'll we'll come up with some sort of prize, but we are going to keep track of these predictions, and we'll be back after the show. Let's go to best supporting actress now, and for this category. We have Maria Bakalova for Borat, subsequent movie film. We have Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. We have Olivia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, and Yoon Yoo Jung for Minari. Corey, let's start with you. I feel pretty good about the category. I think it's hard. I, I think it's not a particularly strong category for me this year. And again, I'm looking around at some of the other awards nominations, and they're all somewhat consistent. Um, but it's just not you know, particularly... This is oftentimes to me like a real standout category and this doesn't feel like it's there this year. You know, there's some that feel just kind of like heritage picks like Glenn Close or Olivia Coleman, who I love, but it's not like doing the most in The Father, um, although her performance is really good. I'm really happy to see Amanda Seyfried made it all the way here because I just, I, Mank wasn't my favorite movie, but I do think she was the best part of that movie. And I really, I liked the narrative about her being recognized. I think her career's kind of been here and there and, you know, Mamma Mia and all that. So I was really happy for her. And I was, and now, and Yu Jung Yoon, I'm just really happy to see that she made it in there as well. And to me, that's the stand up performance from the movie, except I think well, the mother as well, uh, the wife. But, uh, you know, she's great. I, I think it's just not a strong category for me this year. I think there's like two or three performances that, that stand out. And then, you know, too, I probably wouldn't even include. I would I would agree with you on that in the sense of like it's not as strong of a category this year because I also don't know if the crop to choose from was really was really that vast. But I would agree with you the fact that Amanda Seyfried is included in here. I also agree with you on um, and I'm sorry I don't want to mispronounce Yoon Jong Yoon. Yoon Yoo Jung, yeah. Yoon Yoo Jung, sorry. I I loved her performance. Yeah, there's basically two performances that I think are true standouts in this, and like. You know, the rest, it's sort of like, yeah, okay. Um, I thought they were good in those two. <laughs> I happen to agree. I think, you know, Corey, you said it. It's not the strongest category. The one thing I will say, I'm really happy they recognized Maria Bakalova. Mm-hmm. I, was, Both- I was wondering whether I like that, but I, 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 the more I think about it, I tend to agree. Like, I think, A, it is phenomenal what she does in the movie, and I'll get that to a second, but, you know, for starters, I just like that they recognize a comedic performance. Like they do it so rarely, but that's such a difficult thing to do that I think it's ridiculous that they don't recognize it more often. Yeah. And you know, what you have is Sasha Baron Cohen, who is like the greatest comedic character actor in film, possibly of the last like 20 years. And she's in this movie and she's keeping up with all of it. Like, in some ways outshining him because he can't do all the stunts that he would normally be able to do because everyone knows Borat. So now she has to do all these things. And like the scene with the doctor where they're talking about (laughs) having to get an abortion for the baby doll. Like I was so uncomfortable, but it was so hilarious. Like it made me like just the best cringe humor I've seen in a long time. And she carried that whole scene and then the whole thing with Rudy Giuliani, which I never want to see again, but like she did all of that and that is incredible. And I think she deserves to be recognized because it's just incredible what she did. Talk about sacrifices made, right? 
Like you, you had you had to get touched by that guy. <laughs> and the other thing too, we don't know what the fuck was going to happen if 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 Borat or Sasha Baron Cohen didn't burst through the goddamn door. Sasha Baron Cohen. Now I think I think Sasha Baron Cohen's also like real fucking great at selling a movie too because the whole I don't know about the whole fear for her safety thing. Like in terms of what I was seeing on there, it was creepy as fuck. I don't know if Rudy has the strength to do any of that, but um, yeah, man. She she had to transform herself as well as put up with a lot. That's yeah. dedication. That's dedication to a role in a bit. No, I agree. And I was thinking, I guess maybe that's the benefit of maybe not a quote unquote strong category is that something like someone like her does get to break through. And Corey, I couldn't agree more about, you know, the, the underrepresentation of comedies in all of the categories. And so it is nice to see somebody, you know, this kind of unknown actress um, break through. And, you know, it, it's, great for her probably great for her career and it does it just points us to the fact that we should be looking closely at you know i think in the past of you know melissa mccarthy and bridesmaids that was a fantastic performance and in many ways why i could have thought should have won that year and um it's so rare and i guess i'm thinking diane keaton for something's got to give but it's so rare that we get we get a comedy and oftentimes it's, those are some of the more memorable performances or the movies you want to go back to and watch those performances totally agreed and the last thing that I want to say about this character is I do have one big snub and, you know, I get nominating Glenn Close like Legacy Award. She is a phenomenal actress, she, but she was great and, and she's good in it. Like she is the only good part of Hillbilly Elegy, which is a terrible movie. But, you know, for me, I would take that nomination away and give me Dominique Fishback in Judas and the Black Messiah. That mm. performance from mm -hmm. Dominique Fishback is absolutely incredible and to me, that was a pretty big snub. I think she should have gotten recognized. That's the only one that like really stands out to me. I could I could agree with that. Glenn Close didn't yeah. need the nomination. Also, can I just say one thing since it's going to be the only time we talk about this movie? <laughs> yeah. I actually enjoyed it. I oddly was okay with the movie. I, I like Listen, I understand so many parts of it were bad. So but bad. for some reason, I, like... What? Sarah and I, I know, just Corey, <laughs> I, I just, I don't know, Sarah and I both watched it and like, we, like, we weren't upset about it. I don't know. I mean, let's just put aside the fact that terrifying red state propaganda for his like eventual political run, I'm sure. Right. Um, thanks, Ron Howard, for that. I, I don't even know how to, I also know how to respond to that statement. I, I get it. Without words. <laughs> All right, we need to stop talking about Hillbilly. Apparently, I enjoy porn. Terrible movie. Beam, who do you want to win this category? What's your favorite of these five performances? I think it's you, Yoon Yu Jung. I really love that performance. I, I like the what she was able to do with that character. It made me root for her. It made me, you know, when her character and I, we should probably say ahead of time, like spoiler alert or whatever, when she does have the stroke, like it that one hurt. You just saw the character being taken out of her. And she did such a good job of that. So lively in the beginning, being, you know, a very unique grandmother. Like you really bought into that character, I think, in terms of like her status as a family member and as, as being that grandmother and being a very different and weird one. It was I, I I never heard of her before, so it was also a very nice introduction. But I fucking I loved her performance. She's for some reason always comes top of mind when it comes to uh, this category for me. I absolutely agree. This was my favorite performance as well. And there's two reasons. I mean, the best part of Minari to me is the dynamic between 
the grandmother and her grandson. Yeah. That it's so funny. It's so refreshing. And the second reason is I see so much of my own grandfather in her. You know, my grandfather is a Portuguese immigrant and he spoke no English. And when he was at our house, all he would do is watch WWF. Attitude era, WWF all the time, just like in this movie. And I'm like, oh my God, I, this is exactly what I did Wait as a, a kid. I sat there with my grandfather watching WWF and I, it's crazy. Like I, I felt so great about that moment. So like we could have been watching WWF all this time. I don't like it. Like oh, okay. I, I, I didn't. It didn't make me a fan. But you like that's like, how. Is it just like my love for something like Fight Circus? Uh, don't is even it... bring up Fight Circus. Don't bring that space here. <laughs> but like I just that energy. Like that's what I did as a child. That's how I you know connected with my grandfather because he didn't speak English and you know we couldn't really communicate traditionally. So what we did is watch WWF together, and you know so so that performance for me that that was my favorite. I also, you know, I'd be fine if Amanda Seyfried won. I, I really like her and Mank. And if Maria Bakalova won, I would be thrilled. I, I don't think it's the best performance, but I'm rooting uh, for out it. of these. Yeah. But like, I if she gets recognized, great. I'm rooting for her as the underdog in that sense. I'm pulling for that. Amanda Seyfried, though, I I will I would like to acknowledge that performance as well because she she fucking killed it. Uh, yeah, I I would agree with Corey. It's it's, it's my favorite part about Mank, which. Um, I'm going to agree. I think um, Union Jung was, is by far in this category to me the strongest performance. She's the one I come, I can't definitely left thinking about the most if I think about these movies. And actually that reminds me, now that we're talking about it, that actually, if we're going back to supporting actor for a second, I probably actually would have gotten rid of Lucky Stanfield and put in, put in Alan Kim because I actually thought his performance off of her, those two were just so fantastic together. I always and, saw um, him as not a always actor. A, I mean, really, like, I, yes, much more actually I saw than um, um, Stephen Young. Uh, yeah. I, I think, um, he, like, I'm not always, I'm very kind of wary of child performance nominations, but to me, his was just really soulful and really lovely and, you know, not true to life because, of course, he was seven or whatever, and so it felt real, but just, like, these two together just had such a beautiful relationship and, and both kind of just made each other's performance better. But yeah, I would definitely give this to her. Um, I really liked her in the movie. Uh, unfortunate that she she's the catalyst for the finale, which is the only um, my only feeling of like what's the flaw in the movie. It just ties up too neatly, kind of like a short story. Um, and so I was sorry for her that she had to play um, the role in that. Uh, but I thought she was really great. Do you think she's ultimately going to win? Yes, I think so. I think. I think the SAG, for me, the win at the SAG kind of clinched it. I think there's a possibility, maybe Maria Bakalova, just because it's kind of buzzy. What? You think um, there's a choice? Or a chance? I, think, I was thinking it would go Amanda Seyfried would be the backup. She hasn't won it. You know, she just hasn't, except for a couple of critics' prizes, she hasn't really won. And so I think that is a good predictor, oftentimes. I think there was a really strong narrative at the beginning, and then it just got, I think Mank came out a little bit earlier, they obviously pushed so many things back this year. It didn't I think it age made, well. I mean, it certainly didn't age well. It wasn't didn't age well when it was on stream. I was watching yeah, it. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I think that maybe that performance came out. You know, they released it in a really traditional time frame, and a lot of these movies came out later. And I think just kind of replaced her in the narrative. I think there was a time when it was hers, but I think 
Maria Bakalova, I think it's just buzzy. And so you never know. Some, some people get kind of get caught up in that, um, in that story. And then there's the chance. I mean, we can't say it's not going to happen for Glenn Close or Olivia Coleman just because of who they are and people, you know, people want to see Glenn Close to win the Oscar. You never know. It's her last chance to win the Oscar. I will break and, my TV. You know, I know. It's the whole thing with the wife where she lost Olivia Coleman, um, a couple of years ago. So it's, it's hard. I could see it going in that direction, but what I want to win and who I do think will win because of the SAG win is, um, Union Jung. Game, who do you think is going to win? I don't know. I honestly thought it was going to be Amanda Seyfried, but I also don't pay attention to the other award shows the way that Corey does. So I'm just going to defer to him on that one because um, I don't because I don't I don't see I would be so surprised if Maria won this. Uh, I, I would be absolutely shocked. Although I could totally see them just pissing me off and being like, "Yeah, give it to Glenn Close. Give it to Glenn Close. Olivia Coleman or, or Olivia Coleman, right? Yeah, yeah I, I feel like her. Uh, that just feels like a fill-in because like it, it, her because her performance was I, I just it, it was yeah it was a nice emotional weight in the movie but like other than that it's like uh, so I I guess I would have to say uh, yeah Yoon Yoo Jung I think would would probably have to get this I mean I want that to happen I have a sinking feeling that it's not my official prediction is that Olivia Coleman's going to win because it's not mm-hmm. a particularly mm-hmm. strong category like you said and people just love Olivia Coleman, so they're just going to be like, "Yeah, we'll vote for her." Well, that is we a, love her. That is a Oscar. Like that is such a built-in yeah. Oscar role, is what that is. But because, like, I just I, the, the more I think about it, like in the way her character is written, it's just to react to everything, and it's just like, okay, yeah, yeah she's not a cat. She's not a catalyst in the movie, and I think I agree, Corey, a hundred percent. It's very much a goodwill nomination, and could be a goodwill win because I do think people love her. Um, and rightfully so. She's great. Like I love Olivia Coleman. Like the favorite, her performance in that fucking ten out of ten. Love yeah, it. no, she's great. But you know, this isn't that moment. But I could see it. You know, because of the things that you said, I think people are just going to throw votes her way because we love her. And but but there's the political moment to consider as well, and the the entire voting process is taking place in this conversation about. Um, you know, anti-Asian violence and discrimination in America. And I don't think we can also discount that. Hopefully that's in people's minds as well. So you never, I, I think she's well-deserving of the award, but I also think that could be in the back of people's minds in terms of like, oh, we need to recognize an Asian, an Asian actress who, you know, Asians don't often get nominated for anything. I, I hope you're right. I, but Olivia Coleman is my official prediction. Sure. Um, sure. Also, just because we can't all agree on everything, uh, let's a, go to. <laughs> okay, wait, hold on. Did you was was it originally going to be Yoon Yoo Jung? No, oh. no, it was Olivia Coleman the whole time. Um, let's go to our next category, which is Best Director. And for this category, we have Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. We have Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. We have Thomas Vinterberg for Another Round. David Fincher for Mank, and Chloe Zhao for. Nomadland. Beam, I'll start with you. How do you feel about these nominees? I mean, of course, Fincher is going to be in here, right? Like, you just knew it, he just had to make a movie and it was going to be in here almost, it felt like. It was just teeing up for him. I, I, I like it because what it brought me, and it's the one time I get to actually talk about this, is another round because I fucking love that film. So I just thought that was such a unique. To have someone who who directed that film, to have that sort of unique perspective, to have that very unique movie 
to be recognized in such a manner. Uh, you know, I really liked it. And also to to bring more attention to promising young woman, um, which I also think is 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 kind of fascinating. It's a bold movie. It's a bold movie. That's and 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 I want to talk about that more when we get into uh, best picture. But I, I I think it's good. I think it's I think this is a solid solid list. I I agree with you, uh, Corey. How do you feel? Uh, I I pretty much agree. I am so happy to see both Chloe Zhao. Um, and, and Emerald Fennell in here. I I agree that I really love that Emerald Fennell's nomination also brings more attention to that movie, which I really like, which we'll talk more about, I assume, um, in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Fincher to me, it just like felt like like it was going to be like Fincher or Sorkin, and I, neither of those are ones that I necessarily would have would have recognized, but, you know, it seems kind of obvious. I'm very, very happy about Lee Isaac. Um, I think that movie is it, it's a uh, it's so personal, and I think you see that, and I think it's so beautifully shot and so beautifully composed, and it it's able to make and and I think No Man Land in the same way, it's able to make you know parts of America that we probably wouldn't traditionally consider as is beautiful or as um, scenic. It's able to to really frame it in a way that becomes memorable and really beautiful and just affecting. I agree. I think, you know, for the most part, they got this right. I will say the only thing or the only person I feel like got left out of this, and I think it's really unfortunate, is Shaka King for Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I it, it's well known I love David Fincher to death, but at the same time, Mank is not my favorite of his movies. So, like, I'll, I, I think get David Fincher out of there. Shaka King should have been nominated. The scene... And this this is where I wanted to talk about this, like the scene where Fred Hampton's giving his big speech, uh-huh. like in a in a traditional movie, what you're gonna have is just the movie or or the camera just trained on him while he's giving this rousing speech, but that's not what Shaka King does. Instead, he's cutting back and forth to Fishback, to Hampton, to Jesse Plemons's FBI agent, to Lakeith Stanfield, and he's gauging all these things. And there's so many things going on around this rousing speech that it's so much more than just that. And that is all directing and that is just perfect to me. And so, you know, that scene alone should get you a nod for best director. And, you know, I I think Shaka King should have been recognized here. I think, I mean, yeah, that scene alone, I would agree with you because you're able to just, all you got to do is shoot to a particular person or just whatever. And it just raises the tension. Nothing's really happening. All you got to do is focus on that person. And I just think that was so well done. I'd agree with that as a snub. I also think I do think Darius Martyr for Sound of Metal. I think the way that you were able to take a subject matter like that, just a man who's losing his hearing, who's in a metal band. I think it was just so well done to get it also from the perspective of him, where you just you were with him and in, in losing the loss, and it and it raised sort of that tension and it raised the anxiety level for yourself, just to 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 be like to 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 really truly feel what it's going to be like to go through that sort of moment. So I I, I think that was a really well done. I tend to agree with you. Do you think he would he go in ahead of Shaka King? Would you take someone out in favor of him? Yes, yeah, that's the problem is that other than Fincher, I don't know who else I would take out. Um, probably, probably Emerald Fennel. I would take out. I would put in Shaka Ooh, King and Derek no, Warrior. No, I hear you, but Hard I just pass. I don't know. I mean, I want to and just to interject here, I want to say that I would certainly get rid of David Fincher. Not his, not his best effort. 
I actually think one we haven't talked about is I would have liked to see Spike Lee get in here. I mm. think that movie is really fantastic. I mean, some of his ticks don't always work for me. Um, like the kind of the same tricks he pulled in this that he used in uh, Black Klansman didn't really work as well for me. But here, I just thought it all came together so beautifully. I think the choice to have the older actors play themselves in the past was just like strange and revelatory and new and, and unexpected. And I don't know, the movie felt very urgent to me and, you know, really alive and electric. Uh, and I just thought it was great. I, but I also have to say, I agree about um, Chaka King. But I certainly, see, I guess I would lose Fincher and Vinterberg, probably. Mm. Ooh, I, I can't get rid of Vinterberg. I love another round. Like, the last scene with Mads Mikkelsen dancing is just the most joyous thing. Dude. And it's so perfect. Yeah. I... I really loved another round a lot. I'm, you know, the, the the other two directors I just wanted to shout out because this is the only time I'm going to get a chance is Eliza Hitman for Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. And it's not recognized anywhere. I think it should be. I love that movie so much. And the other big one for me is The Vast of Night, Andrew Patterson. What he was able to do with a $500,000 budget and still make such a tense thriller, like, just two incredible accomplishments of directing. Neither would ever get nominated, and I understand that, but I wanted to shout out their work because just wonderful, wonderful jobs by both of them. Who do we think is going to win, or who do you want to win here, Corey? This is a hard one. I Because I think it's pretty like predestined that um, Chloe Zhao is going to win, I'm, I would be very happy for her if she won, though it is not my favorite movie here. I can see all the reasons why she should win. Um, and so it's hard almost to, for this prediction in terms of should. But I, you know, part of me feels like Lee Isaac Chung. I just, again, love the composition of the movie. I love the way it looked and I love the way it felt. And I love the performances he got out of the actors. And it would never happen. But, you know, Emerald Fennell, kind of just going off what you said, Corey, like, to me, like the choices were so bold and so interesting. And, and, you know, the movie's really divisive. Not everyone loves it, but that's part of, that's part of the work she did as the director. And I think the work she gets out of Harry Mulligan is just sensational. But for, for many reasons, I guess I'm between Chloe Zhao and the Isaac Chung. I tend to agree. I think I would be totally happy if any of them won except for Fincher. I think if Fincher won for this, it would be terrible. I mean, he should have been, he should have won a best director by now for social network for me or Zodiac. Um, but you know, if any of them won, I'd be totally happy. I think Chloe Zhao, Nomadland is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. And I, it, it has a lot of similarities to Minari for me in that way. Just, it's so beautiful and so wonderfully shot. And so, you know, for me, I want Chloe Zhao to win, and I think she is going to win. Yeah. And what are your thoughts? I mean, I think I gave it away. I, I, I won Vinterberg because I fucking love that movie, and I loved everything that was done with that film and just sort of the, the – I like the pacing of it and just where it went and how the story ended. And that dance number at the end is just – so Again, joyful. like you said, it's so joyous. It just makes me – this is more a, a biased thing and just in terms of I really enjoyed that. For some reason, that movie has stuck with me out of out of out of uh, a, a lot of these films, and I'm just I'm just very I, I would love to see that. Are we going with who we think is going to win, or did we already kind of say that? Who do you think is going to win? Who do I think is going to win? I think Chloe's out. I think just the way, and and I do think it could be 
between Lee Isaac Chung and and her. But uh, you know, it, it just both of them, the way just they're so beautifully shot. But just with Nomadland and just what they were able to do with that film, that contained a lot of people who were just playing versions of themselves. Um, and a lot of this, you know, obviously you have to give credit to Francis McDormand with that and working with them, but I just think it was just so what she did and what she accomplished and what she was able, the result that came of that. Cause I loved every minute of that film too. And, and, and it's, and in, and a lot of it was when it's just, all it was, was about was just living with her in her journey. And that was it. I, I completely agree. I think, I think you bring up a good point that what Chloe Zhao was able to do with a group of non-professional actors and, you know, granted it's easy in some ways because they are just playing out their real experience but at the same time they have no experience like acting for a camera Mm. so you know to do that and to pull it off the way that she did i think that's a tremendous accomplishment and i think it's just such a beautiful movie any any last thoughts on director Corey? i think chloe is going to take it i mean she won the dga which i think pretty much tells us everything we need to know I do agree with her, you know, her directing was not necessarily my issue with the movie. And I do think it's a really beautifully directed movie. I do think, um, again, like I said, for the way she frames the vistas of America, it just, it makes it really, um, entrancing. And, you know, I think, yeah, I I 100% agree. It became, it became this kind of vital part of the movie. And I think now, given that her next, her next venture is this crazy The Eternals Marvel movie. Who knows what will become of her career after that? What so I feel like now, now, now's the time to recognize her because you never know what happens once you go into the machine. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right, so now let's get to Best Actor. And for Best Actor, we have Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Steven Yeun for Minari. Corey, I'll start with you. How do you feel about these nominations? I feel pretty good overall. So happy to see Riza Ahmed in there. Um, thought it was great. Wasn't sure it was going to happen for him, so really happy about that. Anthony Hopkins, I thought that role was fantastic. I thought he was so good. I mean, he's good in a lot of things, but you know, in recent years, he's kind of been leaning into I Love Westworld, but, you know, leaning into these kind of bigger, kind of sometimes over-the-top whatever roles, and this he really brought it back in and reminded you what he's, he's so good at. And Stephen Yeun, again, happy he was recognized. Kind of feel like Alan Kim could be the lead in that movie. I didn't think he was actually given the most to do in Minari, but everyone else had kind of more to do in the movie in many ways. It seemed narrow um, in terms of what he was yeah. given to do, which I kind of, uh, I, I was disappointed in that. Yeah, me too. Because I, I, I think that when I heard talk of the movie, I was like, oh, this is going to be this kind of like super towering performance that something given that Gary Oldman, I kind of feel like just won that award for, uh, the darkest hour. Didn't, didn't need to win the same for more, another drag performance of a, he's also like 40 years older than the character was in real life. It's just like really drove me nuts. And well, you can let me anytime at any time I can go into my thoughts on Chad Boseman, um, his nomination or I guess the potential of his win. Yeah. I mean, overall, I, I like most of the nominees here. I really love Steven Yen. I, I agree with you that in Minari, he's not necessarily the lasting bit and he's not given the most to do. But mm-hmm. I mean, Steven Yen is an all timer for me. His performance in Burning is one of the, it, it sticks with me like to my core. It is incredible. So I love that he's getting recognized just as a person. 
I love Riz Ahmed's performance. I love Anthony Hopkins' performance. I think here is a place where Delroy Lindo should have gotten in. I think put him in ahead of Gary Oldman. Huge snub. Huge snub. Yeah, Delroy Lindo, best part of the Five Bloods. It's an incredible, incredible performance. And, you know, he should have been recognized here. I can't think of anyone else that sticks top of mind in terms of someone who got snubbed, but Delroy Lindo, just massive, massive snub. How do you feel about this category? Uh, I'm going to piss you guys off again. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I would have taken out Oldman and put in Mads Mikkelsen just because, again, I just have a weird place in my heart for another round. Um, but I completely agree with you on uh, on Lindo. Like I think uh, should absolutely he should have been recognized for his performance in that film. That film deserved to be recognized in general. Um, so it's really upsetting that it that it hadn't been. I actually happen to agree with you. I think Mads Mikkelsen is phenomenal in another round, and I'm so glad that he got something different to do because when he's in American movies, he's just he's like just a Bond villain, man. Yeah. Bond villain, yes, <laughs> he's just always a- the same exact character. <laughs> And exactly. So like, I'm really happy he got to show off like what he can do and how he can be funny and how he can be morose and somber and like everything that he's doing. I completely agree. He's phenomenal in that. Because I thought he was just going to be a one note actor, but that's really just what he had to do in the beginning because he was just drab, just sort of boring individual who I guess it took for him to start getting drunk during the day in order to kind of lighten up and start dancing again. But no, overall, I, I, I really do. I really, I, I think a lot of these guys are in it. it again, it's it, Gary Oldman's filling the same space that, that, that Fincher is, which sucks for Amanda Seyfried because like she was the bright spot of that movie in this black and white movie. Zing. Um, but, uh, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I mean overall, I, and, and I agree. I know we kind of mentioned it, but uh, Stephen Yoon, like it's it, it, it yeah. I, I I looked at him as more of a supporting actor. I thought his role was good, but I yeah. I guess we could dive into uh, the details of this because I mean Chadwick Boseman is really going for it here too. This is this is such a great performance by him. I agree. I think, you know, I, Corey, I know you feel differently and I want to get to you in a second. I, I agree. I think Chadwick Boseman is really good in this. I think he was better in Five Bloods, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just love Chadwick Boseman a lot, you know, and this is a bad movie, but like yeah. 21 Bridges, the fact that he could carry a movie like 21 Bridges and have the wow. charisma to do wow. like a garbage crime <laughs> movie like that. Yeah. Chadwick Boseman all day. I'm really happy he's going to be re- recognized. And, you know, I- I'll say right now that's my prediction and I have no problem with it. I mean, who? why would you? No, pick? exactly. And Corey, th- this is where I want to <laughs> let you up. do your thing because, you know, I think we all know that Chadwick Boseman's going to win. I think that's pretty understandable, but you you have some, some thoughts here. Corey, you got uh, issues here? Yeah. So for Chadwick Boseman, to me, Already, as somebody who also loves, you know, theater and has read, you know, has read Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and was familiar with it and seen things a lot of, you know, a lot of plays that get turned into movies. I felt this was a really stagey movie and a really stagey performance. He felt to me um, almost like even in the way kind of the bigness of the performance and the and the way he projected his voice, it felt like a stage performance to me. And didn't necessarily feel natural to the film environment. And that's the movie as a whole, and that's the directing, and that's everything. Certainly, like, I see why it's a role that people want to recognize, and I certainly understand why people want to recognize him. But, like, 
when I think of him now, when I go back, um, I'm not going to go to 21 Bridges, but you know, if I think now, now knowing what we know now, even though he's not certainly in no way the best part of Black Panther, that's um, obvious. Like now, the physicality of what he was able to do with that role, knowing where he was, like that, that to me is like a real triumph. And just to be clear, Michael B. Jordan is the best part of Black Panther. No, obviously. yeah, we sure was. I thought I thought we didn't need to mention that. We all know that. <laughs> and should have probably won best supporting actor. Actually, it, um, like T'Challa is like sixth in the power rankings because it goes it, Killmonger, all the women, <laughs> all the women yeah. Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Uh, what's Winston Duke is probably ahead of T'Challa. Oh, Love oh, Winston yeah. Duke. Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, and he deserves to be recognized for his work in carrying a huge franchise movie like that. And mm-hmm. Chadwick Boseman's just phenomenal. I I disagree to an extent. I think. The movie is a bit stagey, but I do like how dynamic the camera is in that movie, that it's not just like trained in one place the whole time, almost like a single camera sitcom, which is what a lot of stage mm-hmm. adaptations tend to do. But, you know, I I have a hard time disagreeing with this too much because like it is the last chance to recognize a phenomenal actor and he is good in this. I think it's a good performance. You know, to me, it comes down to Riz Ahmed, who I just think does so much work in that movie. And it's such a difficult role and really brings you into inside this character. And obviously, so much of the work, so much of that movie is also like the sound design, which is fantastic. But I think he, you just feel his performance. And even when you kind of, you know, like, you know that he shouldn't get the surgery, but he does get the surgery. And, but you understand why he did. And, you know, he, he's not a character who always does what you want him to do, but I just think you feel for him in every moment of that movie, and I think he's, he brings so much soul to that to that part. Um, and he's always really good. Like, I think, you know, the night of, he was fantastic. So he's somebody who, you know, I hope will get nominated again soon, don't know. I don't, you know, he's not given that many, many roles. Um, so I think he was great there. And I would say, I feel, I would probably want to give it to Riz Ahmed. I would say I, I really love um, Anthony Hopkins' performance. I think, again, for the same reasons, really bringing you into this character's experience. And, you know, there are certain things that they did with the movie, giving him the same, giving the character his name, giving the character his same birthday. Like, you know, I think these things were, you know, it was designed to get this performance out of him that is so visceral and so, um, shattering. I mean, in that, that final scene when he, when he becomes infantile is mm. to me is just like, so moving and something I will think about for a really long time and have seen, you know, like have experience with, you know, my grandparents, right? You see, you see that. And the, the amount of, I think kind of fierce pride um, and terror and kind of groping for some sort of truth that he brings to that role is, I don't know. I just think it's really fantastic. So I, I to me, it's the should is really between those two. No, I, I, completely agree with you like if i'm power ranking these performances it's riz ahmed one anthony hopkins two chadwick boseman three but Mm -hmm. like so i agree with you that i do think those two performances are better but i also don't have any problem with them recognizing chadwick boseman which it seems inevitable that they're going to do beam any last thoughts on this well i i because i don't think i even said who who i would want to win because i know i am stuck on another round I would say Riz, it's it's almost one A one B with me in terms of Anthony Hopkins and and Riz Ahmed. Yeah. Um. And 
Corey, to your to your point too. I mean, uh, my grandfather passed away in December after suffering for years with dementia, and he very much old, stubborn, sort of crotchety old man. Uh, he fit that role very perfectly. So you know, Anthony Hopkins brought that out in the character very well, and 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 like you said, just the way he broke down at the end is what mm-hmm. it I, I was i was watching this movie before going to work just because i had a limited time frame because i was um mooching off of Corey and his amazon <laughs> and his uh prime account but um that that last scene just really bring it all home because you know the rest of the movie i thought was very good as you're going along but like that that ending scene and just it, it it really kind of explained why the rest of the movie kind of went the way that it did in different directions that it did and uh, the choices that were made in terms of coming specifically from his perspective. Um, yeah, that 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 was that was really good. But that's obviously getting more into the actual film itself. But the way Hopkins did in it was amazing. But he's sort of in a way it's 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 the why why I would put raison meta ahead of him is because I feel like Hopkins is a bit of the old guard you know I, I'm, I'm used to him I'm comfortable with him and raison meta is that sort of new kind of guy on the scene or at least in terms of sort of with the Oscar Oscar realm and at least on my radar because I am uh unlearned in terms of film but he he was a really nice breath of fresh air and, and I loved his performance in it so I would I would hope for it to be him it's going to be Chadwick. I mean, I think that's just sort of a given. Yeah, I think so. All right. So now let's go to best actress. And for me, this is possibly the most contentious category. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, mm-hmm. I have absolutely no clue who's going to win. I think a Feel co- the same way. I, I, I think a couple people got snubbed that I wish didn't. And we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but for this category, we have Viola Davis in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. We have Andre Day in the United States versus Billie Holiday. We have Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman, Francis McDormand in Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. Beam, we'll start with you. How do you feel about these? I agree. I do think it's the most contentious, but I know I have a clear person of who I would want to win. And... In terms of who I think will win, I think I agree with you. It is that much more difficult to try and figure out at this stage. Uh, I know I got at least one person who I think I would, you know, probably take out just in terms of, and it's more the problem on the on the film's part than hers more than anything else uh, that served sort of more of a detriment to her character. Uh, I would say that's unfortunately more Vanessa Kirby in uh, in pieces of a woman. And I'd put in, I I'd, I'd mean, I'd put in Elizabeth Moss from, uh, <laughs> from the invisible man, <laughs> from the invisible man. But, um, but I know that's just not a thing that happens, but, well, uh, she was supposed to, I mean, all the talk around Shirley, she was actually so, like early on, really people thought she was going to make it into this category for that movie, which, which I didn't love, but her performance, I mean, she's never not good. Right. I, I mean, I, I, I did like that film a lot. Um, or that, you know, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I feel sort of with this category is I agree. It is the most, I, it's more in the, in the result of like, I don't know who will win. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. Corey, what are your thoughts on this? We're, we're in the same boat. It's just, it was, it's really hard to pick. So will win. I think I have an idea. You know, this is not my favorite Viola Davis performance. Another person who's great and everything, but this is, to me, I love her when she's even kind of a more, playing more restrained. Except, I guess, when I used to watch How to Get Away with Murder, she was kind of amazingly over the top there. But, um, yeah, this to me is not her, her best performance. I was 
real reluctant to watch the Billy Hol- the United States Christmas Billy Holiday because I just everything that was said about the movie and I still regret now having seen it, having watched it because I thought it was so bad. But I do think Andrew Day's performance really transcends like what I think is really bad, bad writing and I mean horrifically Daniels direction, which is what we've come to expect from him. But um I think she kind of really nailed Holiday. Like Corey, you were talking way earlier before about um Leslie Adam Jr. singing A Change is Gonna Come. Like to me, mm. Andrew Day, obviously, you know, naturally to her, she's a right. she's a, a musical artist. But uh her performance her musical performances really just embody something really special. And I think also kind of the way in which the breakdown in her body towards the end of the movie, like you, you really feel like, oh, this is a woman who is wasting away. I would be curious, Corey, to hear what you feel like the snubs are. I have one or two in mind. I think for me, because uh, I, I, I have complicated feelings about Nomadland, but I also feel like Frances McDormand, really, who is not my favorite actress. I see why people love her. I feel that she plays pretty much the same role often, um, which is also kind of her persona in real life, too. Crappy. And I felt like, in a way, didn't she not just the same movie as Three Billboards, which I can't even get into talking about that movie and how much it upsets me. But um, I kind of feel like she did similar-ish work. She's warmer in this movie, but similar-ish work in Three Billboards. And she's somebody like Olivia Coleman who gets nominated because she gets nominated, but didn't like, sure, she is carrying this movie. But I don't know. It doesn't feel like I'm getting anything new from her in this performance. I think those are all fair points. I think, you know, for me, I completely agree with you. Andre Day is tremendous in United States versus Billy Holiday, even if the movie that's happening around her is shit. Such a hot mess in that film wise, man. It's a disaster. I, how did it how does it exist? I, I have no idea. Dude, but. that was I, all right, so I, if you don't mind me putting context in this, I I watched I watched this movie after getting my second uh COVID sh- uh vaccine shot. And I did end up having side effects, and they were chills and <laughs> and a fever. And so I am literally – my body felt like it was deteriorating along with Andrew Day or Billie Holiday in this film. So, like, yeah, it, it, it put and, – and just, too, in the way that the, – the way the structure of that film was, it was fucking with my head. And I agree with you. Somehow, Andrew Day was able to rise above this pile of steaming shit and deliver a really fantastic performance. You know, what stands out to me is, you know, Corey, you mentioned, you know, she's she's a musical artist, so, like, obviously she's going to nail the singing. But what stood out to me is even the other parts, like, where she's just, you know, straight up acting, not performing mm-hmm. musically. Mm-hmm. Like, she nailed every single one of them, and you feel everything. It's just, like, her last she, she deserves a better movie happening around her. So does Billie Holiday. 100%. It's just, like, I, I, I don't know. So, like, I have... I have problems with the movie. I have no problems with Andre Day's performance. I feel similarly about Vanessa Kirby. You know, the movie doesn't really work for me as a whole, but her performance, you know, in the moments where it's written well, I, you know, the 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 trial scene at the end doesn't work for me. I think it's just terrible with terrible writing. The, the The fight with her mom doesn't work. It's terrible writing. It's not her fault. You know, she's given her she's given her all. For me, the big snub is Sydney Flanagan from Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. I think that movie is phenomenal and underseen. So honestly, I'm just going to keep shouting it out because I think more people need to watch that movie. And Sydney Flanagan, like it's her first role, and that that again, you you mentioned that narrative of like new 
actor getting recognized, they love that. And I think Sidney Flanagan deserves a shout because I absolutely love never, never rarely, sometimes always. Corey, what are your, what are your thoughts? In terms of a snub, one, one that comes to mind for me, and I, I, I don't know, I don't want to say it's the best action performance, but there's a, I really loved Rada Blank in 40-Year-Old Version. I just thought she was really great. What, like, what a performance in the movie and what, what, a, what a passion project. And also, what a lovely, you know, what a lovely story that this woman in her 40s can kind of emerge out of nowhere and give us, give us that movie. Which is just funny and endearing and you know frustrating and all the things. So I really loved her in that performance. But I, I guess I would say, in kind of moving towards should, I am just so so thrilled that Carrie Mulligan got nominated. I, I really thought it, I was worried for a moment that she wouldn't be, but I just love her performance so much. I love her in everything. Um, she's never she's just never not good. But this is a whole other side of her. You know, she never, she never, first of all, she never gets to be like in a contemporary movie. Uh, I just think you see this, this, there's a darkness in her that's so real and so lived in. And, you know, that flat aspect, which in so many other, you know, performances or movies wouldn't, you know, be engaging here, it's just like magnetic. And I just think like, I, this is certainly a performance I think about the most. And I'm I'm just so happy to see that she she got nominated and I'm really pulling for her in this in this race. Yeah, I agree with you. For me, one A and one B. Carrie Mulligan is one A. You know, I I totally agree with you that that's the performance I think about the most. And one B for me is Frances McDormand in Nomadland. Mm-hmm. I know I, I I totally understand what you're saying about you know she kind of has one note and it's just her own persona. I don't have a problem with that. Like it's worked great for George Clooney. Like just let George Clooney be George Clooney in movies. Sure. And that's how I feel about Julia Roberts. Yeah, I agree with you. There are movies, but they have, but those like Julia Roberts and George Clooney have movie star charisma. You know what I mean? I do. Which is like, I wouldn't call Francis McDormand the most charismatic person what do you, on earth. What do you, what do you mean? No, but you don't feel like she lights up a room when she walks in it. But as a grump, as a grumpy person myself, <laughs> like I just connect with Francis McDormand. I'm like, yes, sure, I'm, sure, sure. I'm, really, I'm really, with you. Really, Corey was Francis McDormand in that film. Um, in every I, film, I, in every I, film. I, I see that. I understand it. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, but for me, it's one A, one B. Carrie Mulligan and uh, Francis McDormand. I love both of them. I love both those performances. And you know, Carrie Mulligan is the top for me. Beam, how do you feel? What, are, what what's your favorite? I I want Andrew Day. I fucking loved her in okay. that film so much. She's she was, and, and it was because she's just not you know she's not a very she's not a well known actor. She like you said she's she's a musical artist and she just her performance in that yeah the movie is a complete shit. But I fucking loved her performance so much in that. Um, I would also agree with Carrie Mulligan. She was the driving force in that film, and and like you said that 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 kind of simmering darkness that was in her that was so you know prevalent throughout and but she also was able to just deliver with this dry wit to try and sort of just cover up a lot of those that anger and that darkness and i i I loved her i thought i thought her performance in that was amazing i mean i i would have no problem if andre day won i agree with you and i think the ability you know Corey, you mentioned this she transcends the movie that is going on around her that's the major theme of that it's 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 the fact that she was able to do that and it's what made me actually finish the film yeah i mean when when you can lift an otherwise terrible movie and make it like 
at least watchable because you want to see what she's doing. Like that is an accomplishment and I would have no problem with that whatsoever. I had not seen the movie prior to the Golden Globes. And so when she won, I was like, what the fuck? Like I didn't understand it at all. And now I get it. I, I get it completely. Performance is really good, but you know, Corey, just that logic that you use that's how we get to things like nominating Meryl Streep for the Iron Lady it's like no 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 we can't we can't be going down that road of allowing these movies to infiltrate no, I, um, I, I agree with you and I, I don't think it's a good thing I I want Andra Day as a person to be recognized <laughs> but I, I totally yes, agree with you yes. that like let's not nominate shitty films let's nominate good people in good films so you know Correct. for me it's Carrie Mulligan and Frances McDormand I mean, my prediction, I think Carrie Mulligan's going to win. Hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I think she is, and I feel great about it. It's the one that I'm the most unclear on. I could see this going a million different ways. But I think, Corey, what you said, that that's the performance that sticks with you. I think for a lot of people, that is the case. That like, And she's such a phenomenal actress that has never been you know, really recognized. She was nominated for an education, but... You know, I, I think Carrie Mulligan is going to get recognized and win this category. I I say that not knowing where this is going to go, but like I think yeah. maybe a little yeah. bit of my desire is going into my prediction here. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Carrie Mulligan is, you know, for me, equivalent to like Amy Adams, somebody who just has to be recognized for the great work they do in every single film. Um, and here, actually, it's not even like we're recognizing her for her traditional period film work but this is something totally new we've seen from her so yeah i i love her i want her to win i think i i feel like there's i you know i checked out gold derby this morning it looks like there's a really good she's at the top of gold derby's predictions which mm-hmm. is interesting to me because she hasn't won really any major awards again want to win carrie mulligan really really think could win carrie mulligan even though you know she doesn't have the like back the, the kind of track record this season this award season to clinch it, but it's so open as possibility. Otherwise I could see, I could see Viola Davis or taking it or maybe, maybe end her day. Possibly. I don't know. I just hate the precedent that was then set. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to just say Carrie Mulligan on a, on a, a hope and a prayer. I actually think it could go Francis McDormand. I, I, mm-hmm. that's in terms of that's like such that is Oscar bait. And, and here's the thing yeah. that I will say about her performance. I agree with you. I, I don't know how to say I agree with you, Corey. Um, really at this stage, well, with an E or without an E, it just depends. Corey, without the E, uh, I agree with you in the sense of she is playing sort of the same role that she does and everything else. But what I will say, and maybe it is just because it's her, she doesn't overpower the rest of the cast. She That's doesn't. Correct. She doesn't overpower a bunch of amateur actors. She works with them. I also feel like the amount of fucking promotion that is going on behind it is tremendous. Uh, there is a lot of it. I'm just seeing Nomadland everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. next next to mm-hmm. next to you know Minari, but like it's it, it, I'm just seeing so much for that. Where I just I feel like this is going to go Francis McDormand's way. Yes, we got somewhere where I think we disagreed a little bit, or at least had different predictions, maybe more bold ones. All right, so final predictions: Corey and I, Carrie Mulligan, Beam, Francis McDormand, and. All right, so now it's time for the big one, Best Picture. And for Best Picture, we have The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. 
Corey, how do you feel about this crop of Best Picture nominees? You know, I think this really brings us back to the beginning of the conversation in terms of, you know, what would be here in a different year. Um, happy to see a lot of these movies represented that might not be there otherwise. You know, of course, like Make and Juice and The Last Messiah and The Father feel like, okay, I could see in another year those totally being in this conversation. I would say possibly even Nomadland, just I think Chloe Zhao, the writer, was was kind of really well loved. And so I think this one with the movie star in it was kind of probably bound to get some, you know, attention like that. And Trial of Chicago 7, though, I think we all agree is in no way best picture. Um, you see why it's there and the topic and the historical drama and all that. And Aaron Sorkin. But, you know, to see Sound of Metal, a promising young woman, Minari, which I, I'm kind of up in the air whether another year it would, cut, it would, it would make it. But I think because it had a lot of buzz throughout the years being this fantastic movie. So it could have, could not. But like, I, I'm really, I'm overall kind of happy with the interesting diversity of this category, save for Mank and maybe the Child of Chicago 7. I agree with you. I think, you know, it's rare for me, and it's actually happened the last two years, where like, I love the majority of the movies that got nominated. And, mm -hmm. you know, it happened last year. Uh, it did not happen in quite a few years before that. And it happened this year where, you know, there are five movies that I genuinely love and would very much enjoy all of them being recognized. Uh, you know, for me, I think two of the biggest snubs, I said it before, never rarely, sometimes always phenomenal movie. Uh, mm -hmm. First Cow, we haven't talked about it at all, but First Cow was really, really beautiful and a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful film. And then The Five Bloods, you know, those are the snubs yeah, for me. 100%. Yeah. I thought it was weird that they only went with eight nominations because typically it's nine. Um, could be up to yeah. 10. I mean, should have fit into Five Bloods. Like it was, listen, I can't believe it didn't. I just can't believe it wasn't, it wasn't recognized. Yeah, no, that's upsetting. To me. I, I think it's, you know, I don't think it's Spike Lee's best work. I think, you know, it would probably rank somewhere between five and six for me um, in terms of like the Spike Lee power rankings. Mm -hmm. But like, mm -hmm. you know, it's still a very, very beautiful film, super, super relevant to right now. So like, yeah, if you're talking about a nomination that reflects the moment like the five bloods deserves to be in that conversation. Um, you provided humanity for a fucking Trump supporter in this for me. I don't understand how that works. <laughs> yeah, like that's not that's not an easy. He, well, he, he wasn't in his right mind, so we could just kind of write it off. Right, I under I understand that, but still, like he wore the hat. <laughs> sure did. He wore that hat. He wore that hat for two and that hat two did hours not wear Which I guess he didn't want to be a Trump supporter. He actually asked for that to be changed. He, he fought. He fought against that, and you know, I, I don't know if it would have been better or worse, but still, like you know. Spike Lee made sense for the character. Yeah, I think Spike it Lee's a legend. Delroy Lindo's performance is amazing. You know, I don't see why the Five Bloods couldn't get recognized. I think it's, I think it's dumb. But yeah, those are the three snubs for me. How do you feel? I, I think mainly the main snub for me, obviously, would be the Five Bloods. I think the rest of the like, I knew Mank was going to be in here just because. Uh, same with the trial of the Chicago Seven. It's it's the same way. But other than that, like, I mean. I almost love them so much simply because Promising Young Woman is in this field. And it's because mm – -hmm. and, and and you guys obviously are going to know better than I would. I don't – when have they chosen a film like this of this caliber just sort of 
a film that's made like this. This feels different. I would say it's two more snubs. Uh, well, one, I'm surprised neither of you has said another round. So there you go. I'm sorry. Um, I um I didn't think I had to. I was I didn't want to become repetitive. Oh, yeah. But give me another round. I love that. Dude, movie. I, that movie's fucking phenomenal. Yes, I, of course. I, I thought that was not needed to be uh, to be spoken or mentioned. But in, you know, for me, two other snubs, and I think it's—I don't know if they ever get into this category. But just thinking about um, two documentaries, I thought Collective and I, Corey. I know you feel this way too. I just thought Collective was tremendous. Oh, man, just what a fucking movie! It's it's incredible. Sorry, what was the other one? And yeah, the other one was, and I'm not sure if either of you guys have seen this, but same thing with documentary. I thought the movie Time was really great. Like, I, I do wish that documentaries, though, of course, they have their own category. You know, same time, like a foreign film could be nominated here. In the same way, I feel like these are movies that people should know about and people should see. And, you know, there's a lot of people who just skip right over the documentary category. But this is one that I actually kind of think it's one of those movies that almost anybody can watch and connect with. I thought it was just really great. I agree with you. I mean, for documentary, it's between time and collective for me. Want to move on to should and who we think will win? I, I don't know. Is anyone here going to say Promise Young Woman for should, or do we want to have the conversation about Promise Young Woman? Oh, let's let's talk about Promising. Young I think Woman we should. I don't, deserves please discussion. let let. I, I Corey, um, like I don't. I want you to like. I, I feel like we've kind of scratched the surface about what your thoughts are in this movie. I kind of want to hear yeah. you just like let's 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 let the leash off. Just just yeah, go ahead. Yeah, up. sure. I just think this movie is fresh and new and. You know, I love how divisive it is. I think that's what a, a great movie can and should be. Yeah, of course the ending is, I don't even want to say problematic, because that's not the way I would describe it. But I, think it's, I don't a lot know of how it are. works. <laughs> well, my, my here's, I guess, to start at the ending and, you know, rewind backwards. Spoiler. I think for me, the ending, yeah, where I, it goes wrong for me is not necessarily in all the actions, but, but in that it kind of almost definitively tells us, well, this is a person who is just, all of her actions can be ascribed to being deeply mentally unstable, right? And I think in some ways that undermines a lot of the interesting feminist ideas that are going on in the movie because, yes, of course she's disturbed to some extent, but also we're led to believe she's just, you know, we're led to believe she's disturbed for good reason. I think especially when we see her in, in the scenes for instance, with like Connie Britton, you see exactly why. And, and, you've, and you know, many people, many people wish that the Connie Britton part hadn't been the movie. I think that movie, I think that scene's fantastic. I think that it perfectly points out all the problems mm-hmm. that go along with cases like these. And it also shows us the way in which women and not just men can be complicit in, in perpetuating these, you know, these ideas of like, he's a nice guy or just kind of glossing over things. Yeah, my, 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 my single issue at the end is kind of that. And of course, like, I think a lot of people rightly so bring up, like, do we really want the ultimate solution? And would she think the ultimate solution is the police in the end? I, I don't know. That's not, yeah, I mean, she, I wants, wanted, just, she I w- wants justice. I wanted to get your perspective or both of your perspectives on that because I was listening to that big picture podcast and that it's like the very people that failed them are the people that were somehow the, the solution, which I, it, that didn't connect with me as much. It was more just, I guess it didn't matter who, you know, got them or what sort of price it was they paid. It was the fact that they paid a price um, for what they did. What I do like about the movie a lot, though, is that it did sort of raise that question or at least kind of pointed out 
who and how you can be complicit in something like this, which yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed about the movie. It's, I mean, it's a difficult conversation that gets avoided a lot, but it really kind of faces it very much head on. You know, to, to rewind back on the movie, though, just to say, just to say that, like, in thinking about Emerald Spinell and all the choices she made, like, God, I mean, just the, the middle of the movie that becomes, like, a traditional rom-com where you're, like, so into it and so rooting for them and they have great chemistry and, and where you see where the real acting comes in is where she does break that that kind of scary monotone and she becomes somebody different. The possibility of another life becomes apparent and it's, uh, which of course makes the ending all the more tragic. But um, she just like gives you something like you're hoping for her. Like you're weirdly on this woman's side the whole time. You know, maybe, maybe in the end you have issues, but you're kind of, you want, okay, maybe there is the best is possible for her. And of course, like, you know, any movie that somehow works a Paris Hilton pop song into it, which you know, just thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, yeah, Corey, go for it. I just think it's great. I love it. I love how they just stripped any hope from it whatsoever. Like once you get through that rom-com point and, and yeah. it's like, we're yeah. just going to take the rug out from under you real quick. Listen, I mean, this is, if it weren't for the ending and my complicated feelings towards the ending, this would be the best picture in a runaway for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think this is the most challenging movie. I think Emerald Fennell is so vicious. Like the way that she makes you laugh hysterically while Carrie Mulligan is just laying there dead on the bed after this tremendously violent scene. And then Max Greenfield shows up and starts talking mm-hmm. about how this, what is this, the 90s movies, like in a very bad things reference? Just like, does Max mm-hmm. Greenfield things, mm-hmm. apparently. <laughs> It's it's so vicious to make you laugh like that after she's just killed off the hero in such a fucking brutal fashion. And like, you know, the the feelings for me are just like, are the cops the answer? And I guess I, I get that there's probably a commentary in there because as the cops are showing up, you're going to the friend's necklace that is laying in ashes and that um the the coffee shop woman has yeah they fucking burned her like that's that's also just the other and well yeah i mean i though for the cops thing or the cops thing though my thought is like but in a sense don't don't we want and when we think about all the kinds of things we want for justice reform don't we want these crimes taken seriously and actually adjudicated like so there, there's a possibility that it's while we can't you know that well they fail women all the time now I think there's the idea of like, well, yes, men need to be called to account for this. No, for sure. And, and you know, there's definitely a commentary there that like it took two dead girls instead of just one. And it took and two people yeah. that are like directly involved with it. Like this is this is what this is what it took for you to actually act. pay attention. And I get and I get the commentary there. Yeah. Like I understand it. But the fact that Carrie Mulligan martyred herself also feels like a betrayal of the character. hundred percent. And I just, it doesn't sit right with me. That's the only thing, like, that she essentially martyred herself. So, like, I don't, it, it doesn't sit right with well, me. Is it that surprising, it, though? because she's nuts, but yeah. No, what I'm saying is But that's is a, she nuts? I don't think she no, is. Well, no, she well, is and she isn't. My argument sort of with that is, I mean, I think it is, it is almost fitting. And it's not because she's nuts. It's, and maybe this is saying that she's... It kind of seemed like she had a death wish. Listen, you're going into those situations yeah. where you're going yeah. home with men. You don't know how it's going to turn out. The The fact that each time she all of a sudden sobered up and they all were like, oh, wait, you're sober. And then it ended with them like having her to leave or whatever else. 
who's to say that it wouldn't just have resulted in someone just fucking straight up killing her in the way that it did you. in I the agree. end where like i just i that's why i didn't think it was that out of the realm the problem is is the mechanism to get there is just a little muddy and you know what i disrespected emerald fennel one referring to her as he but also two uh <laughs> in sense of saying that i would replace her with someone else it, it, it is tough because with with her and i agree with you the more you think about it the decisions made in this movie are just amazing it's but the problem was was the ending and that's why it i don't know it clouds the rest of it for me but what i will say is that when i was watching it just going on that roller coaster i wasn't really i guess sort of thinking about how it all worked <laughs> I was just like I was strapped in and I was just not caring and I was like wait she's dead oh my god she fucking got him yes but then obviously when you meditated on it a little bit it's like oh wait how did we get there and how did that exactly work no and listen like out of these films this is the one I'm gonna think about the most Mm -hmm. it it is the one that Mm -hmm. raises the most questions for me it is just a real feat and I I don't know I I it just complicates it for me at the end a little bit, and I think so I'm almost I don't know. changing my pick. <laughs> well, Corey, what I you- wanna, I would say like uh, for me actually, I think a divisive ending is not not a bad thing. So I kind of like that about the movie. Two other, two or three other really quick pluses I thought were, and this is of course on the casting directors too, too, but just the use of the nice guy actors from from TV, just brilliant. Yeah, way to and, and fuck movies. everyone over with Adam Brody, right? Or was it? Right? I mean, I was gonna say Seth Cohen. That just uh, ripped your heart out. Um, <laughs> it really did. And- like to open the movie on that, where you're like, "Oh, Seth, Seth, so what a good guy." He's gonna be so. Flips. He's gonna be so nice to her. Oh, it's brutal and exactly. just fucking perfect. Yeah, you're totally right. The one there, so I thought that, and then you know, I think the other performance that she gets out of actors, I think, is the Alfred, uh, Alfred Molina scene is just really great. I think he's so good. I mean, I don't know if I go so far as like best supporting actor, but he's so good in such a short scene and does so much with it. And also kind of gives you this sense of why that's the moment in the movie where she does take the turn towards a little bit of positivity where she sees, okay, there's, there is hope for, there is hope for reform. There is hope for repentance. And so I think it gives her character something interesting to do as well. But just, you know, before she gets out of him and Alison Brie and Connie Britton, like these, all these short vignettes, and it, it, but it's, I don't know. It's just like a really interesting, evocative like conversation piece of the movie totally agreed um is so, this an obvious question what's that who who, who we think we should, should win well <laughs> that, that's uh, what i yeah. that's, that's what i want to do now so who do we think should win another and round real quick i want to go through <laughs> and i'm just going to kind of organize these in tiers at least how they work for me and you guys can feel free to chime okay. in disagree agree sure so for me the bottom tier is trial of the chicago seven and mank the next that's kind of in a tier on its own is The Father. The Father was a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be in the way that you know it completely disorients you and brings you into the mind of a person with dementia. But it all hinges to me on an Anthony Hopkins performance, and all the things that are going on around it are just kind of nah. okay. And like it's it's good, and I enjoyed it, and I think a lot of things are great about it. But it doesn't quite elevate to the next level for me. The next, Although just to quickly sorry. interject there, just to say that picking up on the earlier conversation about uh, Marini's Black Bottom is that's a movie adapted from a play that does something new. That even like even though 
it makes use of a one set in so many different ways and is so imaginative in the way it uses that set. Like, to me, that's an adaptation of a play that just works. And it still didn't feel constrained to that, which I thought was really, really impressive sort of in that. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel claustrophobic and stuck to a stage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Totally agreed. And Anyways, then, I'm good where you are now. And we then can continue. the next tier is the movies that I loved, but there's just something missing that doesn't quite make them like an A-plus movie. For me, the three in that category are Sound of Metal, Minari, and Promising Young Woman. I love all three of those movies. I think they're great, but each one, there's just, there's something missing that doesn't quite bring it all together for me. I'm surprised Promising Young Woman is here for you at this stage. I'm sorry. I, I read the room wrong. Keep going. And then the top no, you two. Read it. You made it read it half correct. And then the top two for me are Nomadland and Judas and the Black Messiah. And Judas huh. and the Black Messiah, to me, is the best film out of all of these. I love almost everything about it the only flaw to me is they spent too much time on martin sheen hoover whatever that fuck <laughs> that was going on i didn't think you needed that at all just like give me the jesse plemons lakeith stanfield scenes and i get it um yeah i, but agree. I, I agree with that i i love judas and the black messiah i thought it was a phenomenal movie um that for me is what should win Corey, what are your thoughts it's interesting because the way you describe judas and black the way you describe that, that tier right below is where I put Judas and the Black Messiah, where I hmm. feel like that movie is the fundamental flaw there is that, I, again, those Bill O'Neill scenes, and I just don't think it knows what to do with that character. I don't know that it knows. I don't even know if the movie knows what it wants to do with the character. Like, Daniel Kaluuya is so so great in that, that movie. And, you know, for a biopic movie, it's definitely like, you know, it doesn't break every convention, but it's interesting and it's and it's it's urgent and you're in it. But I just feel like there's just something off to me with the handling of the Lucky Stanfield, uh, the Bill and Neil character that just it takes it down a peg for me. Like it's not I it makes me really excited for what Shaka King can do. It makes me excited about the performances. But it's to me that's where it, it's flawed and I put it in the one step below though like i see i would not certainly move it wouldn't be upset if it won you know best film i guess i would say uh, i'm also thinking about Lenari because i think that the movie is beautifully directed the performances are great my my one you know my one issue with the movies we talked about before is the ending it feels very neat it feels like I didn't need it wrapped up that way. I would have loved a messier ending. And I think that would have been so much more powerful because that's the truth of life, that life is messy. I didn't need the symbolism of the, the barn burning down and the finding the water and the faith and all this stuff. Like, I didn't need that. And so that, that to me is like the flaw in the movie, which I guess I would say, I guess it may, may knock it down a peg for best film. Although it'd be so interesting to see that as representing this is the best film of the year. Is mm-hmm. I, I would, I, I'd like that message. I'm curious, you know, quickly, Corey, and then I'll, you know, wrap up. What do you think, um, what do you say, what would you say is the flaw of Sound of Metal? I don't know. And that's the that's thing to me. Because I'm in the same boat. Like, I, I can't identify what it is. Does it feel a little small? Is that what it is? I think so. I think it's a little small. And I don't mind that. Like, I really enjoyed that movie. I think. Can you explain small? I don't know if it's insignificant, it's not the right word, but it's kind of just like, 
an insular is the right word, but it's just kind of, I don't know, Corey, like maybe you can build on this. It's, it's kind of like just, it's there, it's off to the side. It's not, while it's topical, it's not tapped into everything we're talking about. I don't know. There's something, there's something there that doesn't make it as like, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think you germane? just, I think you just nailed it on the head. I think that while representing the deaf community is a very important thing and to do that in film is wonderful and i love this movie but like it's not as relevant to me as judas and the black messiah and that message in nomadland is to me like i think the messages and what those movies have to say is so applicable to everything that's going on in this moment and sound of metal just isn't even though I think it's a beautiful mm-hmm. movie and completely like everything you said, like the performances are amazing. The sound design is so perfect and in bringing you into the mind of this character and like making you feel everything that he's feeling. It's just wonderful in that way. But in a larger social context, I don't know that it's as relevant as some of these other films. So it is, I, I think it feels a little bit small to me, even mm-hmm. though I think it is a wonderful, wonderful movie. I, I, I really, really enjoy it a lot. Beam, what are your thoughts? I mean, so it's hard because I don't think I had a clear like sort of should on my end, probably right up until we've actually had this discussion because it's kind of swayed me a certain way. Because so with Sound of Metal, I, I, I kind of see where you guys are coming from in that in terms of the broader sort of like, you know, social and just relevancy perspective. And I guess I think what I really liked about it is that it didn't contain that, but it still had a very lasting impact on me. And I loved the performances in it. It's one that I could see myself, act, you know, truly like watching again as well, too. Uh, just because of that, it's just it does take you on that journey with him. And, 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 and in terms of what I was saying sort of at the beginning, it does give you that sort of very visceral thing because it literally taps into your sense of, sound, of, of hearing. And mm-hmm. um, I, I found that really fascinating. Again, while it's not maybe the most relevant, it's not speaking to the current times and sound is maybe reflective of it. I think the fact that you were able to take just a guy who's a metal drummer who's losing his sound and, you know, might be making some wrong decisions. I thought it brought a lot of humanness to it. It brought, a, you know, a really kind of realistic touch to it sort of in that kind of way. Um, and I know I'm talking about that against the movie that's literally a biopic, something like uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is another movie I fucking loved. Um, I thought that was a really great film. I love Lakeith Stanfield. And so it's like maybe like the whole directionlessness of, you know, the Bill O'Neill character didn't hurt or didn't affect me as much. And I, I totally see where you guys are coming from on that as well. But the more that we talk about it, and it was because after I watched it at first, I walked away going, this is my favorite because it was so different of all films I've ever seen nominated for an Oscar. I want Promising Young Woman to, to, to win mainly because oh, I just, feel successful. <laughs> no, and, and, and no, and, and I'm so happy. <laughs> well, it's, it's because, you know, when I watched it, I walked away feeling that. And then when I listened to more sort of critiques on it, and when you and I kind of had the discussion about the ending about it, you know, it, it made me feeling sort of a different way. And I almost started leaning towards what should be sort of the Oscar film. But as we sort of discuss it, it's like one of those things where I could feel more comfortable. I'm like, no, I fucking enjoyed this movie. And to see it win, amongst like a crop of like you know movies that i feel can be sort of like let's let's be real like judas and the black messiah and then 
you know, something like Nomadland, the father, definitely. And of course, Mank, just because whatever the fuck, I don't even know anymore why those are just like, those are going to be Oscar nominated films, but promising young woman is just so different, but it accomplished something. I thought, you know, that was something, you know, so fascinating, which is why I think that's why I would love for it to win. That's 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 kind of where I stand with it uh, in terms of a should of who's not. Okay, I feel that feels very validating. Coming into this, I wasn't sure what I was going to say should win, but now I'm just going to go ahead and say, yeah, I guess Promising Young Woman because I just think it's the most interesting of the film. Yeah, but I just wanted to go before we get to will win. I just wanted to apply kind of your the your the both of your logic to Nomadland, which if we're going to say that the flaw that potentially undoes promising young woman is the introduction of police in the end. And of course, we've talked about this a little bit to me, nomad lands complete, I don't know, whitewashing or whatever of, of Amazon is just mm-hmm. very, it really bothered me. And I know this conversation has been out there, but you know, just for, for, for the character of Fern to just say, well, good money. Well, you know what? Yes, of course that is true to me. The movie really fails to make a, a key point about, people's existence in this country and their subsistence. And I don't know, that just feels, that feels like such a flaw in the movie, which otherwise is building a really interesting case. But if it's not going to, and it's not necessarily what the movie's about, but if it's not really going to point to some of the real systemic reasons that, that Americans are forced to, to live in that way, um, obviously for some people it seems like a choice and I get that, but I just feel like that really, yeah, in the same way that you would say about Promising Young Woman, that just really bothers me about the movie. It's a flaw that I think undoes the movie a bit for me. I I tend to agree, I mean, a bit. Like, they definitely let Amazon off the hook, and what doesn't work for me is like, all right, if you're going to do this opening title card about Empire Nevada and how people end up in this situation. And then you're going to let Amazon off the hook. Like that is the one that's like the half star off of what is otherwise a five star movie to me. It doesn't bother me that much, but I do get the criticism and I do understand why that's a problem for people. I, 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 I get it. It just doesn't bother me as much. I get it. But I think what I, I don't know if this movie was trying to go after that. That, that that's what I that's where I stand too. Like I don't think that's what the movie's about ultimately. Like, but then like why did you include the title card? Like that was an in, in, like that's a choice that you made. But then you're not going to make the commentary. I in don't know. a way, I almost feel like obviously this isn't a documentary because it's a fictionalized version of yeah, you know what these people exactly do. Exactly, I was just going to say. But yeah, yeah, it's 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 it, it almost felt like it was just like laid out as if it was a documentary which that was my issue yeah that was when i was and i I don't think you should be thinking about this when you're watching a movie you want to be immersed but i was like well why wasn't this just a documentary so after all of this exploration about the should so should for me is judas and the black messiah should for you guys is promising young woman and i have no problems with that i wouldn't have any problem with any of minari promising young woman uh, Nomad Land, Judas and Black Messiah, or Sound of Metal. Sound of if Metal of, all of a sudden pulled it off. I would be if uh, all sure. any of those won, I'd be I'd be pleased. Who I, do you think's winning though? Nomad Land. I think it's going to wow. be Nomad Land. Yeah, you both do. Okay. I mean, I think it's. I think all the other awards it had. You know, I think Trial of Chicago Seven. I won. 
the SAG, because that's really truly an ensemble film, and that's what best film is just best ensemble. Other than that, I think Nomadland is the movie people want to win. I, I think, you know, not in a bad way, I think people want Nomadland and Chloe Zhao to yeah. win. And I think, I think it certainly does have something to say about America today, not, you know, even if I think there's a flawed way in telling that, I think it has something to say about America today. I think it makes really interesting choices, but I just think it's the movie people are most likely to, it's like an easy movie to vote for, if that makes sense. It's an unproblematic movie to vote for. Oh, I think it's going to be Judas and the Black Messiah. I don't know why. I just feel like this is just where we're at at this point, and I could just see it going that way for that film. I, I hope it does, but I think I think you're wrong in your prediction. Whatever. That, that's no, okay. this is this is where this is where I I try and differentiate myself from the pack on this one. All right, so that's it for our discussion on the Oscars. We will be back with Corey. After the Oscars, doing a without the we will just so they know they don't want to be confused, even though you're speaking. Mm -hmm, Yeah, mm -hmm, fair mm -hmm. enough. Um, But we will be back with Corey Schneider. He will join us for our reactions to the actual event, um, and we'll talk about which predictions came through and which failed, and our reactions to what won. And you know, we'll be back after the ceremony with that. Corey, thanks so much for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed our discussion. Beam, anything? Yeah, I'm just going to maintain a, uh, a 0.05 BAC. Um, <laughs> Dude, I really... <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. Um, in the next couple of weeks, because then your marriage to is going to dissolve, <laughs> and then <laughs> a whole bunch of shit's going to go down. Yeah, another and round. I'm going to learn how to dance. Justice for another round. Love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, this is great, guys. Follow us on social media at back porch media on instagram at porchback media on twitter rate and review us on apple Podcasts, spotify all that stuff and yeah check back in with us after the oscars to get our reactions to that see you